Blog Talk Radio. You're at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome aboard, all you ground troops, spinning around smartly on the planet we call home, Earth, Gaia, Sophia, Sophia, Father God, Mother Earth is celebrated today with all of you universal life pastors out there, uh, of which I am one, through Modesto, California, as is Pastor Richard T. Knight, who is going to deliver our message today as the sounds of silence. Oh, boy, did that song ever set me alive with Simon and Garfunkel. I hope all of you guys out there are having a wonderful life. That's what today is about, Reset Day. Sunday is Reset Day. Yes, every day is a new day. For tomorrow may never come. That's why we live in the now. Our philosophy is do what thou wilt and harm none, but we are also about Google's Alphabet 2015 motto, do what is right. Our do good things are just be aware that you are who you say you are, and you are the life you live. That is the lesson you teach to everyone else in the sound of silence. Now, Ascension Center Organization is our unincorporated association here in America, and we've been working together for many, many years, uh, since the early 1980s with uh, many people. And uh, we were your original channelers. We were studying before Chicken Soup for the Soul ever came out. And uh, we all helped channel all that, and we all worked with a lot of people. But Star Trek, the guy that was uh, many of our uh, love for Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry, put together a great deal of information. And when I think of Sound of Silence, I think about the dark abyss and the black. But those stars are what we seek, the light. And... Richard T. Knight, weekly, uh, we're going to get his weekly article up, I hope. He's an uh, avid writer. He's a good writer. I enjoy reading, and I enjoy listening to his voice, and I've had several of my peeps listen to his voice and give me a good hands up, so that's what he's good at. But you don't know that he's good at writing. That's why we're interested in putting out our Ascension Cosmos Oracles, Ascension Church Ohana book. Coming to a theater near you. Oh, excuse me. I'm used to doing video. Coming to a, <laughs> a bookstore near you soon. Our, our Amazon, AWS, our Schneider, uh, Simon & Schuster. But in the meantime, we do Ascension Age books here, and we have Timely Manor books in print in our Teresa J. Mars Ministries, T.J. Mars Publishing Group. And Richard's agreed to help me, Pastor Rick. We're going to call him short for sound bites. And Pastor T.J., I put that at the end of today's show. But Ascension Center Organization, Unincorporated Association, Cyberspace Culture Community Club shares Ascension Church Ohana, Hawaii on Sundays and Ascension 
Cosmos Oracles Corp of Florida, USA, sharing ACO Radio Club, ACO, ACIR, and TJ Mars ET Radio, ACO International Associates, Universal Health and Wellness, not-for-profit, is about integrative medicine worldwide, but we are going to work on a not-for-profit here in the United States of America first, and 50% not-for-profit in India, and our our uh, colleague of the ACO in India has been working with uh, all the people flooding in Calcutta, and uh, we've had a lot of our uh, initiates and our neophytes and our 20-year-olds working with us in uh, cyberspace culture, cybersecurity, and Richard is our cybersecurity specialist, helping us stay abreast of what's what in the world, not only as a pastor, but watching us in our cyberspace culture security. Now, we're sharing analysts and authors and consultants and organizers, educators, historians, researchers, writers, videographers, and today's message, Sound of Silence by Pastor Richard T. Knight. And of course, when he needs to, he will pass the talking stick as we've established here with Janet Carolesson and other, uh, what they call, um, well, what do they call the Tantra people of Yogi Tantra? I'm a yogi too, but we're called Tantricas. But uh, she would say, pass, pass the talking, a facilitator. <laughs> and she uh, works with our events with Gloria Hawker and we may get back to doing events in the future in Hawaii, but in the meantime, I'm just going to have to talk to you right here with Richard for our Sunday Go to Meet in Church on Sunday. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Pastor Richard Knight to our illustrious virtual reality podium and turn his button on. I turned your button on. I'm running the studio. Pastor Richard, how are you today in cyberspace? Uh, doing fine, I did believe. How about yourself? <laughs> Good. Uh, tell us about your Sound of Silence uh, memories with Simon Garfunkel. Do you remember that song? The sound oh, yes. of silence. I oh, love that song, and a lot of it is you coming did? true. It's almost like a oh, prophecy in the manner of speaking. It is Sound of Silence, and uh, I would like uh, I would like you to tell me what uh, possessed you this last week to give us the message, and then. You couldn't come on uh, the Wednesday. No, you came on Wednesday for a few minutes, but you didn't come on Thursday's show. Folks, we only do Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday right now. The rest of the time, I'm building websites and building profits and nonprofits and being a consultant. But Richard's going to help me run uh, the Sunday and, well, just help me, I hope. But Richard, I'm I'm putting words in your mouth. So the sound of silence, and uh, I'm going to look that up because that was so beautiful. And this, I am a songwriter. I'm sure Richard probably is, uh, but I am a member of BMI. Sound of Silence by Simon Garfunkel, I believe. But Richard, what all are we doing now? Because we have uh, beautiful music, but we're not playing any today. So we'd like to invite all of you. But the Sound of Silence song, it says it was on the Immortalized album. Uh, Simon Garfunkel is one of the most famous songs of all times, considered to be untouchable. Uh, it says until Disturbed recorded it in 2015, album called Immortalized. So maybe they brought it back. The popular song was originally made famous by Simon and Garfunkel in 1964. So where were you in 1964, Richard? Oh, I was only nine years old. So I mean, you know, I wasn't anywhere other than in my parents' house. <laughs> no, I felt all mature when they wrote this song. I was already in my teen years. 
I'm a five years old, or four, four and a half years older than Richard, but it's Hello Darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again because a vision softly creeping left its seed while I was sleeping. And the vision that was planted in my brain still remind, remains within the sound of silence. Now, I won't go on to the wicked night. I saw 10,000 people, maybe more. But, <laughs> Richard, that was sung uh, beautifully. It was like uh, a cappella, no instruments or background music for a while. And it had many hours of arrangement later and practiced perfect performance. But uh, I think that your choice for sound of silence, our silence, our sound, it all goes together with your Christian news today of the latest news and hot topics trending among Christian music, entertainment, and faith, and we do health and wellness and integrative medicine uh, for our not-for-profit, and you are one of my Ascension Cosmos oracles. Matter of fact, my first one besides myself and my daughter, Gigi, who's passed, but I do encourage everybody to listen to the official song, Pentatonics, and acapella group, P-E-N-T-A-T-O-N-I-X, performs The Sound of Silence, so that's a staff pick today on the God Tube. So, Richard, what are you and I doing here with our team? What are we going to create? Because you're outside of me and in the inspiration of the all I am, the source, the monad, however one wants to break it down, and philosophy of the Salem Proud Network of individuals of uh, the Charmed Ones. And every time you and I bring in a power of three, a third party, then that gives us the power of magic. In the sound of silence. So we're not going to have a sound uh, tonight, folks. Can you sing? No. <laughs> you can. Yes, I can, actually. But anyway, <laughs> you, uh, okay. the well, power of three is superfluous simply because it's oh. simply magnifying the power of one three times over. So you actually don't need three. You only need one. But when you bring three together, then it magnifies the power of one three times over. And, of course, you can get into all kinds of different religious connotations there, too. Um, But silence is a supreme, um, eloquent moment. You know, if you're you're confused or you're downtrodden or you're just befuddled or overwhelmed, all you have to do is take a deep breath and attempt your best to disregard or quiet your mind. And in that deep breath, you observe silence, and that silence gives you like a reawakening or a reset, as we are calling today, in a manner of speaking, simply because your outlook changes. In other words, you are no longer caught up in the moment, you are no, more, you're no longer emotionally overwhelmed, and you are oxygenating your brain, which allows your brain to recompose what it is seeing or perceiving at that given time. So, silence is very, 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 very important, simply because without silence on your behalf, you cannot listen to another person. So, if you're constantly over-speaking somebody, or if you're constantly telling your own story as they share theirs, then in turn you really misperceive what, it is, what is actually being said to you. So silence from that aspect is also very important. Now, of course, the, sound, the song Sounds of Silence in, indicates that, you know, uh, silence in all of its aspects on its deeper forefront represents our imagination. 
And our imagination truly is where magic happens, simply because anything you can imagine, you can make happen. So, again, you see, there's all kinds of positive aspects to silence. It quiets the mind. It helps one to ascertain perception uh, mentally, emotionally, that you may have had or lost, you know, rule over for a moment. Or then again, you can turn inward and imagine where you want to be or what you want to be doing. And because you can imagine it, uh, the silence allows it to actually transpire in front of you, like on a movie screen, as we have all been entertained millions and millions of times by lots of great movies. Um, But silence is very important, important not only for our mental faculties, but for our bodies, for our relaxation, for our consideration of all that is going on around us, all that has gone on before us, all that has gone on behind us, and all that is transiting before us at the moment. So silence is, from a spiritual standpoint, of course, silence can lead you into inner working. In other words, looking and reflecting upon yourself, not just for the, for the person that you are, but for the spiritual essence that you are. And of course, silent meditation has been practiced for thousands of years among many traditions and many reverent uh, situations and so forth, and also many religions. And the silence is a turning inward to allow one to step beyond the mind and to recognize that the mind and the body are not purely what one consists of, but rather that one is a created essence or spark of God or spark of the divine or creative spark, or reflection of those that made us, or however you wish to look at it. Or it is an acceptance and acknowledgement of a power greater than yourself. So that is also the power of silence, because in silence one reflects upon all that is not only makes you up physically, mentally, and emotionally, but also spiritually. And it is only in silence that we can actually hear the inner voice of God, which basically is your intuition, all right? Because I, I don't know how else to relate to that. Um, yes, there are people that say that they hear the voice of God, and if in fact they do, more power to them. However, I am rather skeptical simply because uh, that would be a divine um, operation, which again comes through, is filtered into your your mental self and your emotional self through your intuition. So um, not that anyone is is not capable of receiving direct messages from God, because I do believe that that's also possible. Um, I mean, we can be visited by angels. We can be visited by uh, the Holy Spirit. We can be visited by entities outside of ourselves, such as ascended masters, uh, such as Jesus Christ and many, many others that I can name in many various traditions around the world. But the thing of it is, the silence allows you to wipe away or put aside all of your mental, physical, and emotional concerns and to turn inward so that in turn you are focusing your intent and your attention upon your spiritual being, your spiritual essence. Um, Lots of people, of course, now are recognizing this is the higher self. Many others are calling it the superconscious many of it called soul conscious, over soul conscious, and on and on and on in all kinds of vocabulary and all kinds of different terminology. But it all 
basically boils down to the same thing in principle, and that is a consciousness beyond yourself, beyond your own perceptions. And when you reach up to your spiritual consciousness, then in turn, you become aligned with the consciousness of the creative source of all. So it, is a, it, is, it can be a very humbling experience. It can be an aha moment. I mean, you may be reading literature, such as a book that you love or a book that you've acquired and so, so forth from someone that you respect very deeply. And you're reading through the text and all of a sudden there's a pinch of truth that hits you mentally and then you have this aha moment. It's like you recognize that, oh, wow, this is very truthful. This is something that harmonizes. This is something that resonates deep within me. This strikes my heart. This strikes my spirit as being true. And so, again, you see, that happens in silence because there's no conversation going on between yourself and anyone else. Rather, you are reading what has already been written by someone and that in turn you have an enlightening moment or an aha moment that says, wow, you know, like a minor epiphany, you could say. And then, of course, there is uh, epiphany itself, and that also happens in silence because, you see, silence is only shared in prayer or in meditation, in group form, when in actuality on an individual basis, it can be a continuum. In other words, one can ob obtain a state of constant meditation where one is constantly looking inward and the inward self is looking outward. So therefore, everything is perceived in life as a state of meditation or the perception from a meditative state so that in fact, you are not moved by the world, rather you are the mover of the world. And that's quite a uh, mouthful as well. But it just says that, you know, you're not influenced by all that goes on around you. Rather, what influences you is what you're inspired to do from inside of you that in turn is an expression outwardly. So silence is, is a great tool. It is a great um, useful aspect, consideration. And yes, I mean, uh, it's used for meditation. It's used to listen to others. It's used to gain a grip on oneself when they are overwhelmed by focusing inwardly on the breath, by focusing inwardly on a silent or a quieted mind. And then in turn, of course, spiritually, uh, as a means of turning inward and upward to not only your source of creation or your source of identity on a spiritual level, but also in alignment with all that created us to begin with. So silence uh, is, is very, very unique and very, very um, interesting indeed um, from all kinds of different aspects. And uh, so we must consider silence as a tool in our um, mental faculties, a tool in our emotional faculties, and of course a grand tool in our spiritual faculties. Um, it is used constantly by those who meditate and uh, even pray for that aspect because prayer, again, can be internalized. I mean, we mentally pray, you know, for our own well-being and the well-being of others. And then in turn, as a group, we orally or verbally pray for the well-being of ourselves and the well-being of others. So it is, it, silence is uh, the expression in its primal form. In other words, before you have a thought, you have silence in your mind.
TJ, do you want to say something? <laughs> uh, can you hear me? Uh, I was oh, hearing I'm still on. bit bites. I'm so so I was wondering what was um, if there was something you, you wanted that? to share. I'm do sorry. I? Uh, okay, Andrew, do that after you get off. He could hear all that. Okay, that was my daughter. She's uh, moved back in with me for a couple of weeks. Or Lord help us. Uh, <laughs> I'm going on 70, and she's 53, but she's still a little girl in so many ways. I didn't know you could hear that, and I apologize. I didn't know that I wasn't on mute. I do apologize well, to you. We didn't so, we didn't hear your whole conversation. What I was catching was like um, sound bits, you know, like little chirps every now and then. And this wow. gave me the impression that possibly you were either speaking or that you had something to say. So that's why I was uh, asking, you know, if there was something you wanted to share or what have you. Oh, no. I was, uh, Pastor Rick, I was listening. Pastor TJ just had a – I was listening, but I was watching my daughter connect a turtle that we got at the festival, a sea turtle that we got at the festival, fish festival in Pensacola. Well, we both came down with a lot of stuff, you know, sinusy, uh, which you can't be very silent during the sound of silence, you know. But I apologize to you uh, and all the listening audience out there because it's very hard to be quiet when you're not in a modem of, uh, like, I can be very quiet when I'm being my yogi self in meditation and clearing my mind of thoughts like clouds floating in a blue sky. Uh, But no, uh, talking about our higher selves, I've got today's message is Sounds of Silence by Pastor Richard T. Knight, Teresa J. Morris Mysteries, not-for-profit, sponsored by, to share, I was proud to share the messages of the Ascension Avatar Master Prophet Synchronicity Sounds as we co-create and channel our higher selves and our higher muses. So when you're speaking, you're speaking, and tell people, because you and I don't write a script. We're not talking heads, or we're not uh, prompting each other off a teleprompter. I'm sitting in my house remotely, and you're sitting in your house. So uh, in today's time, folks, uh, church can be done from the convenience of your home during this pandemic phase around the world. And uh you know, it's hard for me to do everything I want to get done as a singer, songwriter, producer, editor, publisher on books. So I've, I've gravitated towards Richard and Richard towards me through social media as social media entrepreneurs out there, uh, which none of us get paid to add content. And I think finally I've seen all these big companies that used to have all these screens that I paid for, I've found out. I've been double people double dip me because I'm paying a company that got bought by a company that got bought by a company. Like I was paying Blog Talk, you know, forty dollars a month that is now bought by Box Nest, that is bought by Spreaker, that is bought by iHeart. So if you run it all the way up, we're covered by the largest distribution of radio station in the world now, iHeart. So look that up. But we're also out there on Spotify and Podcast Stitcher, all these amazing places now but they pretty much divided up the world and richard and i are going to have to work on the seven continents because that's what god told me to do but richard i guess adding my voice to the silence 
is the absence of ambient audible energy. So I did put that in our description. The emission of sounds of such low intensity that they do not draw attention to themselves, which I obviously did, so apparently I wasn't being silent. So the state of having ceased to produce sounds, this later sense can be extended to apply to the cessation absence of any form of communication. There's my word, American Communications Online whether through speech or other mediums. So I wasn't speaking, but you were hearing those chirps of my daughter banging metal against metal on my television cabinet where she was hanging a turtle. So sometimes speakers fall silent when they hesitate in searching for a word or interrupt themselves before correcting themselves. But you were just interrupted by hearing sounds so you thought I must have something to say and I apologize because normally I put myself on mute so would you like me to mute myself now Pastor Richard <laughs> well it's it's fine I mean you know uh, as you have pretty much uh, advocated in all of uh, silence in all of its various definitions for the foremost um, and yes it is a tool that we can widely use and that we should make use of constantly um, simply because you know it allows us to gather our thoughts before we speak which is very crucial and essential because you have to be very mindful of what it is you say um, and as T- uh, TJ said you know we don't run from a script this is completely um, off the cuff or strictly out of our hearts our minds and our spirits as we speak to you today and uh, you know so we kind of wing it, you could say. It'd be simply because we're coming from you live or coming to you live on the radio. And, of course, sound waves are very powerful. Um, sound waves often transpire in the sounds of silence simply because we don't hear but only a very fragmented fraction of all the perceptible sounds that are out there. Uh, we only hear certain frequencies and certain uh, waves of sound. And, of course, waves of sound can be very healing and they can be very uh, calming as well. So, you know, uh, sounds, you know, such as certain kinds of music, um, audio tracks, uh, these kind of things can make you, uh, bring you to a point of reverence where basically internally you have reached a place of peace, a place of silence, a place of sometimes you can have very profound experiences Um, epiphanies as they were during silent moments simply because you have allowed uh, your mind to quit racing 50 million miles a minute and instead you have turned inward to listen to what is going on around you and to listen to what is going on inside of you Um, and the interesting thing is you know uh, silence like I said can be a command, it can be an order given to you to be quiet, it can uh, be commanded of you in reverence as something other than, you know, what is going on around you, such as in a funeral or such as in the celebration of Mass or the celebration of a church service or during a sermon that is being given to you by a minister or reverend or so forth. You know, that's a respectful silence. You are given that silence. You are giving silence uh, verbally and attention-wise so that in turn you may hear and absorb what is being spoken to you or you can hear and absorb what you are listening to 
or you can hear and absorb all that is going on around you. Um, so silence is a great, great tool. And yes, I love the, the song, The Sounds of Silence, simply because uh, it says that, you know, a, a seed is planted in the darkness in your imagination. Because yes, your imagination is a blank screen or a blank board before you actually create upon it. And so it is silent. It is always there and is all awaiting, you know, at your command for whatever design, perception, idea, thought, uh, creative instinct that you have uh, to fill up the board and to make a picture. And then in turn, you know, all of this again, you know, our thoughts are silent. Uh, the only time in which we actually share our thoughts with another person is either verbally or telepathically where one mind is actually reaching unto another, they meet the same frequency or, or vibration or brainwave, and therefore they no longer have to verbally communicate. Instead, they can communicate directly with each other because that silence that is shared between them is actually mentally being transmitted on a brainwave uh, between the two parties, and it is happening silently. So to other persons observing the situation, they don't believe that any communication is taking place, except sometimes they can observe changes in their physical facial expressions, which would lead you to believe that they're either listening to someone or hearing something else other that appears that, you know, other than what appears in the immediate uh, environment or whatever around you or around them. So, yes, silence um, and imagination and meditation and focused attention and intention and ideas and creativity, these all happen in silence because they are all what we perceive individually for the most part, unless, of course, you know, you're sharing a project with somebody or you're such as writing a book or putting a musical uh, sonata together or some other kind of piece of music, whether you're writing a song and one is creating lyrics while the other one puts it to musical chords and notes, uh, and this kind of thing, so that eventually it becomes a piece of music that is sung as well as heard on musical instruments as well, such as, you know, piano or guitar or what have you. And yes, when there is silence, we tend to focus on what we are observing a great deal more than when we are, our mind is littered with all kinds of conversations or all kinds of ideas and all kinds of thoughts about various things that are either happening uh, in other realities or in other uh, perceived situations with other given individuals, whether they be family or friends or what have you, or world events and these kind of things. Um, and of course, you know, uh, if, if you really want to stretch things out, you could say, well, there was silence and it from, was from silence that in turn there was the word and the word created everything else. Or the Big Bang Theory, you know, on a universal level, well, you know, there was a Big Bang, and then in turn our whole universe was created. Uh, but there was a silence before the Big Bang occurred, so, you know, and if you go out, of course, at night, and you look up at the stars, or you look at the moon, uh, it's a silent observation. And there are plenty of sounds, I assure you, going on in space, even though, it is reported that space is kind of like uh, soundless for the most part, or at least uh, soundless to our perception um, to a large extent. 
Uh, so space itself is kind of a void. And of course, you know, uh, the Tibetans refer to nirvana, the space of silence, the space of the void, where there is the uncreated. In other words, there is no creation there simply because nothing has been created yet. And so out of the silence becomes the all, in a manner of speaking, because the silence representing the void and from the void becomes creation. Um, so yes, silence is something to contemplate. Silence is something to revere. Some, silence is a very good tool to have in your toolbox to use on a daily basis, even in, even in an hourly basis per se, because one can never be too silent. We can be too talkative. We can be too uh, communicative in a lot of different ways, but we can never be really truly too silent simply because um, it is an inward state of being. It is an inward observation. You know, uh, as a Taoist, I like to look out from the portal of my observation and, and see and observe everything that is going on around me, and yet at the same time uh, not be moved by it from the aspect being that I see it for what it, the contents are. And therefore I choose at different points in time to interplay or to interreact within all that is going on around me. And, you know, again, this is a silent observer, okay? So the I, I go, keep going back to the song because naturally the seeds of imagination being planted in your mind while the body rests. And then in turn, it was a prophecy that was, you know, indicated that the sounds of silence would was projected into the future from the aspect being that, you know, uh, those in authority were commanding the entire race to be silent, that there were no voices to be shared, that uh, communication had become purely intuitive, telepathic, that there were no voices shared, that there were songs written, but there were, the voices would never share them simply because it was forbidden. You know, the, the whole communication was being done mental to mental, mind to mind, and therefore uh, to actually verbalize something was against the law, you could say. And um, this whole prophecy was, of course, you know, shared in advance. I mean, you know, you're talking about a song, like you said, that was written back in 64 and, be and became famous over time uh, by Simon and Garfunkel and has even been translated again a couple of more times in the present day, you know, within the last... 10 or 15 years anyway. And well, let me, it is... May go I ahead. something? Okay, sure. and the sound... Uh, being a songwriter, folks, I like to look at the meaning, but Simon Garfunkel's Sound of Silence actually wasn't a really good thing. It was uh, published, but uh, it was noted about 10,000 people bowing to the neon god they made, talking about bands and music and Hollywood and all of that. So uh, it says, first of all, it should be noted that the sound of silence is not a good thing. It resulted in, in indicative people being unable to effectively communicate with each other, particularly on an emotional level. The implication is that the people are not recognizing that, that such an effect even exists. So they, in the regard of Simon Garfunkel issuing a warning uh, against the threat of mass mid-20th century social isolationism in a form of media that had been deemed propagating introverse behavior 
back in the days uh, of television and that the neon light referred to the song, in fact, as an allusion to a television set or something of that sort. Of course, now we have neon lights of all types and virtual reality. But perhaps the most evident uh, final verse is that the people bowed and prayed to the neon god they made, and the lyrics is a metaphor for uh, common people's idea of worship of a neon god. But you can look it up yourself. But they talk about bowing and praying. Reference literally is intended to make the point of the how we view what we're doing now uh, in live, well, live stream television, but it's gone the step further now that we don't have the major three that when I grew up, it was on the NBC, ABC, and CBS. And then along came Ted Turner, uh, Ted Turner, TTN, TNN. I think it was TNN, wasn't it? But it became CNN and Simon and Garfunkel had a conclusion that, in the 60s. So you're right, they were prophesying, but they just used 10,000 people, maybe more, right, to say, look at all these people bound down sitting in front of a TV. But they were musicians. So they had a, a Rolling Stone 500 greatest hits of all time. They were the American song that best ever yet. Uh, it, it is in the National Recording Registry by the U.S. Library of Congress, but it was written by Paul Simon and one half of uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Do you remember they played guitars? They were Back in the day, I know, Richard, you may have been young, but when I was growing up in the 50s, they had long, uh, what we call poodle skirts and wore bobby socks and saddle oxfords. My mother and dad did. And when I remember as a little kid thinking how kooky that is. And then according to the 60s, we had beatniks. And I remember seeing very famous people like Sophia Loren, Ida Lupino, uh, just beautiful women, uh, Sophia Loren, of course, but Audrey Hepburn and wearing black tight pants sort of like they do today showing their ankles and little slip-on uh, shoes and maybe wearing a headscarf. And even when I was little, I wore a headscarf. But I remember being in a Cadillac in the Houston as a teenager at 15 riding uh, around with uh, a lady that was a horse entrepreneur and us going up to the Shamrock Hilton and swimming, but we were listening to Simon and Garfunkel. So, you know, music makes an impression. It can immediately make me remember where I was when I heard it, right, for the first time. And that was uh, probably before, well, right when they wrote it, 64, right? But it became uh, like Bridge Over Troubled Water, too. Remember that one? And I've sung that one. I've got it recorded here somewhere, like a Bridge Over Troubled Water, in some of my recordings. Well, back to you. My cat is talking. Okay. Back to you, Richard. i got to mute. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, yeah, I mean, you know, we've come a long way from the 50s and the 60s, and here we are, 2021. And it's kind of funny i mean you know of course everyone is free to interpret anything that's spoken written or sung to from whatever guise they wish to interpret it as and you know there's all kinds of different trends now of course when we look at it from the aspect being uh you know bowing down to a neon god well you know uh that shows that you know we were more interested in media and what was going on in media and and social and society and all of that kind of thing. And then, of course, Hollywood and all the movies and the glitter and the stars 
And, you know, of course, we're coming forward. We still utilize TV on a daily basis. That is our primary source of entertainment. Uh, it can provide you with movies and sitcoms and series. And then, of course, you branch away from that, and it's gone out into other media streams, such as YouTube, which, again, produces all kinds of movies and all kinds of different uh interviews and such like and presentations and this kind of thing and uh, that has become a wide uh, area of media from the aspect being that you can learn a tremendous lot you can listen to a great deal Uh, there's all kinds of presentations there's all kinds of music there's all kinds of um, different people you know presenting different things from different aspects Uh, you can listen to channels you can listen to all kinds of different things in different perspectives and in all different areas of the world. And you can all do you can do all of this through your computer, you can do this through your uh handsets, you know, through your through your cell phone, which of course back in those days cell phones weren't even considered. I mean, you know, we all had landlines and you know when you wanted to talk to someone you picked up the phone and you dialed it and hopefully when it rang on the other end they picked up and listened and, and you had a conversation. Now, of course, with cell phones, heck, you can have multitude conversations all going on at the same time. If you're ambidextrous, I mean, you know, if you're uh, able to uh, multitask, of course, you can listen to several different conversations and keep up with several different conversations. Of course, you can do the same thing on the Internet through Facebook and Messenger and texting and all of this different kind of thing. You can talk to different people. Of course, the... The loss through texting, of course, is that you really don't know or have any idea of what the person is actually emotionally expressing because you have no emotional content, whereas at least when you're verbalizing, you can, uh, you can understand where the person is coming from emotionally and intellectually simply because uh, the tones of their voice will vary with the expression of the words they're saying. Um, so yes, in a manner of speaking, you know, and of course, now you add emphasis onto it with this pandemic, of course, we are all isolated and in lockdown for the first few months thereof. And of course, so yes, we were all isolated in our own little worlds and what we were watching television and watching media as a source to entertain ourselves uh, rather than being social because we were forbidden from being social. And to some extent, unfortunately, even to now today, That still is going on to some extent. Um, You know, there's still masking and uh, six-foot distancing between persons and so forth, which is fine from the aspect being that everyone should be able to give a given individual their own personal space. Hello. What was that? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? What are you doing? Hello? Nothing. I... Where did the wow, music come from? I don't know. Did you well, do a small Well, li- a small line of the music just rode over the, the broadcast entirely. I can't even so do that. Well, it just did. <laughs> if you don't believe oh, me, listen, listen back to it. 
Okay. Well, it's uh, my house. Now you know how it affects my phone. Words that we say will affect our future. And uh, I don't know anymore how all this works. I used to believe in magic. I guess I better start believing again because uh, things are changing with our reality. And even in my developing pages, they all seem to be attached to somewhere in cyberspace. And uh, they've taken some of my screens away and given me new ones, but I don't seem to have as much power in life as a singer-songwriter in this reality as a developer as I did with Google and Microsoft and GoDaddy even. But remember I told you my songwriting equipment was uh, taken, and so was my uh, video maker. So it must be somewhere in my computer. What did you say to make it happen? Hello? Uh-oh, I lost him. Well, is him or me? That's strange. I can't hear Richard anymore. Can you hear him, Angela? I can't either. It's like it went away. Where'd he go? Richard? Yes? Oh, there you are. We couldn't hear you. Well, uh, who who couldn't hear me? What are you talking about? Aren't you on the radio? Yes. Okay, well, we couldn't hear you. I don't know what's going on. Well, I wasn't speaking just now. I I, I put myself on mute so that you could speak uninterrupted. Uh, We must be linking is what they call zinking. Uh, uh, I need to learn more about this S-Y-N sinking. I'll have to get my uh, people in India to help me. Uh, maybe they're working over there because it's a work day. I apologize, Richard. It's odd. Well, I don't know. I just thought it was very peculiar that all of a sudden, out of the blue, while I was talking, uh, one particular verse from the Sounds of Silence suddenly took over the airwave, and, I mean, it was very loud, you know? So. Well, it's not here now, also. No, it's not, fortunately. Okay, strange. We live in a supernatural world now in cyberspace, and we don't know what blending crossovers in our computers we're getting, but I don't have any of my equipment attached, so uh must have been from another channel on Blogcock. Or I don't know. Maybe Angel, probably your Archangel Michael, because Angela... Last night came in my room in tears and prayed to St. Michael. Is that the same? Yes, it's one and the same. Oh, Angela, you play. Remember last night when you got it teary-eyed? I was at this morning. I don't know, Mom, but thanks for telling the whole world. Oh, she said thanks for telling the whole world. <laughs> okay, I'll meet you. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that well, might, she might have considered that a private event. You what? Hello. Oh, she she was just telling me St. Michael because she was trained in the Catholic Church. Yes, and well, St. Michael, Archangel Catholic. Michael are one and the same persona. So, I mean, you know, that's who St. Michael is. Hello? Yeah? Are we having this a conversation or what? 
I don't know anymore, Richard. I don't know. I'm doing the best I can to uh, be here now and listen to you, but when I try to listen to you, I can't hear you. So well, I don't know how or why that could be. <laughs> but anyway, what do we need to do? End early today. Is that what the message is? Go in silence? Remain in the silence? Because, you know, the silence is golden. The silence pervades every every molecule of every atomic structure, no matter how finite. <laughs> well, it is the sound of silence, but we've got a few airwaves to fill up yet. So I'm sure all these larger companies that are counting on us to give them content, we need to abide by the rules. So, what larger uh, companies? You know. What are you talking about? God, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, okay, so back to our higher selves and our muses. <laughs> the ambient sound, uh, the emission of sounds of such low intensity. Now, my hearing, folks, according to some, I've lost 50% of my hearing and been tested because one day, Richard, while I was living in Kentucky, and my husband had already died, but I, I was like, I couldn't get up. The whole room was spinning. And it was really scary. But then when I called, they were like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. I was like, but you don't understand. I had lost my inner ear balance, something. Uh-huh. So I went and got yep. an inner ear infection usually. Yep. Well, they said I had a loss of hearing from it, whatever it was. They said it was a virus that people can pick up out of the air. And they put oh, nice. me like they did back in the Navy. The Navy, when they tested me, put me into this metal box heavy yep. metal vault and then i used to work in a heavy metal vault when i worked for the government right in hawaii i worked inside a vault yeah one of my first jobs and then they tested my hearing i was 50 percent loss of hearing now i didn't go to a lot of crazy concerts or get in front of those big speakers i understand but i did go to a kiss concert once because my uh um, brother my husband's brother wanted to go while i was working at decorating craft ideas southern living magazine but uh i don't know why i lost half my hearing they said it was it could be due to the virus that i forget there's a a name for it it can can come and go and so uh, now what you can hear 100 percent. have you lost any of your hearing abilities it was caused from that well i don't ear. know uh the last time my hearing was tested you know it was uh borderline uh possibly needing at some future point a hearing aid because yeah there are certain vibrations that i don't hear as well as others and there are certain vibrations that i hear that people don't hear so in other words i can hear dog whistles and i can hear sirens off in the distance and when sirens get close they actually hurt my hearing. So those particular frequencies or sound waves or whatever, I'm very sensitive to. But I did have an incident where where something was shoved into my left ear when I was a a boy, you know, and unfortunately, I do believe that that did damage my hearing to some extent. But of course, you don't know it at the time that it happens. And of course, I was never taken to a doctor or anything thereafter because um, it was, you know, back in the 60s. So they just, uh, my parents and relatives at the time just perceived it as a, a prank and, and didn't think anything of it when, you know, a cousin shoved one. You remember the, the swords that you use for uh, hors d'oeuvres and uh, to, to put olives into drinks and those kind of oh, things, sure. the plastic well, swords? Yeah, yeah exactly. well, one yeah. of the, three quarters of one of those got shoved into my left ear. 
And well, how old were you? Bled, uh, probably about eight. And the year, oh, the, year bled, the year bled minorly for a bit. But, um, you know, uh, you like I said. You didn't do it yourself? Somebody else did? No, no. A cousin did this thinking it was a prank. Oh, my. So anyway, uh, they were oh. scored and they were scored and of course it was taken out. And like I said, it bled for a little bit. But you see, here's the thing: the ear tube, which is through which the vessel, you know, which it's the the vessel through which we hear or our sound waves come into our ear. That is not what we actually hear with. Our inner ear is actually what we hear with. Unfortunately, the sword uh, did not penetrate the inner workings of the ear itself it only irritated the the tube that runs you know from the from your inner ear out to your outer ear so anyway but yeah um that's something we should talk about richard because you know people sometimes draw conclusions that since we're ascension masters and we've died and come back and died and come back uh yes i know how to live in silence and i prefer as a precog and as a psychic medium to live in my room and not hear anyone or anything i live in silence unless i'm you know working or doing my binaural beats or i'll turn on music or you know writing music writing sound writing books it keeps you silent because you're working with your inner self but it helps me because i'm on i can only hear half of what other people hear but now vibrations i have a very sensitive uh emotional mental spiritual uh, archetypal uh past lifer uh gna dna rna and the kids love to talk about that yeah but the silence of that is that we learn psychically that we can hear all these other things that aren't with our ears in other words like sitting here right now i can hear like my ears are sort of they vibrate because we're on radio, but I can feel those in my nervous system. And uh, I have a high, highly tweaked or highly tuned, Richard, a nervous system. So uh, actually after they cut my uh, back and they cut my throat and they didn't think I'd ever be able to speak again, that's when I told God if I would do his work, if he would let me speak again because of many of the gifts we have is our vocal cords so when they cut my cords and i couldn't speak anymore they told me that might be i may never speak again and sure enough if they didn't do it i thought surely i wasn't going to be one of the people to lose my voice but i was for three months three and a half months they told me if it didn't come back within two months you know the guy that cut my throat i'd probably never speak again so gradually by trying i started to sound like mickey mouse not mickey mouse what is that called daffy duck uh donald duck or something like daffy duck daffy donald whoever the ducks anyway you know, and and I've noticed a lot of speakers that were smokers that got their larynx cut or a hole in their voice. They'll sound like I did while I was gradually getting my uh, vocal cords back. They were there, but they wouldn't work. Now, I don't understand that. And on the sound of silence, I guess we should look at our biological <laughs> health and wellness. Because, well, sure. I mean, <laughs> like you got people... You got people, unfortunately, that are born uh, deaf, where they have no sound at all, 
you know. And then you've got others that, that can only sign because they can't speak, you know. Uh, so they are silent, uh, not by choice, but because of, you know, the way they were born at the time. Or then there are others that uh, end up in this situation by accident, you know. They get in a wreck or something and, and you know, they're, they're injured uh, in their brain and that part of the brain doesn't function as well as it used to. So they have to go go through the process of relearning how to talk, uh, or you know other things can happen where you know all of a sudden they they suddenly can no longer hear. I mean, you can be exposed to such an explosion of sound that you know uh, it deafens you, and sometimes the the deafness can be temporary, and other times the deafness can from take the go from that moment forward lifelong and, and the person remains deaf and then in turn since they can no longer hear they're going to you know they have to learn sign, sign language and that's how they are able to um, communicate with anyone else besides you know another, well I mean they have to use sign language to to express themselves to anyone that can perceptually see now of course if if they come upon a, a person that's blind then I don't know what they'd be able to do there. They wouldn't be able to communicate whatsoever because the one can't hear and the other one can't see. So uh, the one, the blind person can talk, but the deaf person can't hear them. And the deaf person can use sign language in order to try and communicate, but the blind person can't see it. So that would be an absolute uh, situation that could not be overcome. But I mean, lots of people, unfortunately, become blind. Uh, there's all kinds of different... Uh, diseases and maladies of the eyes that create blindness in people. Uh, they're also, again, blindness can be brought about by extreme exposure to extensively bright light for a, for a duration of period of time in which the, the eyes, eyes themselves uh, are actually blinded and remain blinded. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, that would be an imposed silence not of your own making, where you're not able to speak uh, because you're, you've, you've lost your vocal cords or, you know, they've been damaged in some way um, and this kind of thing. And, yeah, I mean, like you, like you mentioned, you know, some people have to go through an operation where there's an actual hole left in their uh, throat and they act, the sound that comes out you can distinguish what is being said, but you have to be very a very attentive listener to be able to understand what it is they're saying. And now, of course, you've got voice boxes that actually translate the tones into actual words and so forth, and they can be understood a great deal more than the situation was, say, back 40 years ago. But, yes, uh, silence imposed when it's not something that we're looking for, of course, is, is very much restrictive. Um, it, it prevents self-expression, and this is very harmful to people in a lot of different ways because we are very social human beings, and we do love to communicate with each other, and we do not like isolation, even when it's self-imposed, unless we are in total control of the length of that imposition. So, I mean, you know, we, we got... I love silence from the aspect being it allows me to reflect, I can meditate, I can tune my attention to specific tracks like binaural beats or specific soundtracks of music or guided meditations and all of this kind of thing. 
and it's very calming and it's very relaxing and all of this kind of thing, which being able to relax completely on a physical basis and on an emotional basis and on a mental basis is something that we all need to learn and something we should all practice because everyday life is full of stress and stress will over time kill you because stress uh, overworks your nervous system and it creates all kinds of diseases in the body. Um, you know, it just it just does all kinds of different kinds of harm to the given individual on all kinds of different levels, physically, emotionally, and mentally. And uh, they say it kills because, yes, if one is stressed out constantly, you are overtaxing the body to the extent that the body overworks itself and eventually um, gets to a point where it can no longer work further. So it just collapses. And then, of course, the person has to be hospitalized, and then depending on what else is going on inside of them, will determine exactly whether they're able to recuperate or whether, in fact, they're just taken down completely by uh, stress that has created all kinds of nastiness inside their bodies. So silence is golden. Yes, it can be because, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, it can also be irreversible. I mean, like I said, you know, in, in the instance yeah, of a I'm, deaf person. I'm but what? it's a blessing. I said, I lost my voice. It was not easy not being able to talk. You'd be surprised until you lose your voice how much, uh, what a blessing it is to be able to talk. That is a I, blessing, much less being able to sing, right? I came I came close to losing mine a couple of times. As a matter of fact, I had two, uh, two instances of severe strep throat. And they thought at one time that, that they were going to have to actually go into my neck, you know, and into my throat and all of that in order to uh, repair damage that the strep, the, the streptococci uh, had done inside my uh, throat passages and so forth. But fortunately, antibiotics were able to overcome them. And eventually, uh, even though I was severely hoarse and it was recommended that I not speak, rather that I write and communicate by writing to other people my thoughts and intentions for probably about eight weeks. Um, in the first instance, and then the second instance was even more severe. Um, but fortunately for me, I didn't have to have surgery in either instance. Uh, you know, uh, antibiotics were able to cancel out the streptococci and, and uh, relieve the, the pains and the strictures that were going on in my throat and so forth. But... Again, even that can kill you. I mean, you know, if, if I had not been, if it had not been caught in time and I had not uh, been treated with antibiotics and so forth, basically it would have strangled me by suffocating me. So, yeah, even, you know, strep throat can be very, uh, that's why it's very contagious. And so naturally, you know, at least in the first three or four days, uh, just like uh, pneumonia is contagious in the first three or four days, and so, you know, you have to be isolated and all of this. And, uh, yes, it can be very um, limiting, to say the least. And like you were saying, I'm sure it wasn't easy to relearn how to speak again. Uh, yeah, and I have <clears throat> lately, uh, I don't know if it's too dry or whatever, but, you know, we should help people learn more about their body because not everybody can afford to go to a physician like they used to, but we can just talk about general health like we do general accounting 
on counseling on Sundays are really uh, I do life coaching and uh, we have to say life coaching and pastoring in today's reality Richard because we're not therapists but <laughs> you and I both been hypnosis our head hypnosis therapy or hypnosis uh, gone under hypnosis or trained like I did helping people in Hawaii but I'm not, I'm not licensed here in the state of Florida uh, don't know that I want to be really, but uh, you need your voice to help others because sometimes if I can't go to sleep, I'll put on a, a free hypnosis uh, calming type of. Uh, it says sleep by Neural Beats, or we'll say sleep, hypnotized sleep, you know, <clears throat> just to help me get in a place <clears throat> as a guided meditation, so to speak, folks. To, and you know, I noticed. <clears throat> sorry, I have a. I don't know if I have post-nasal drip or what, folks. At my age, you think I'd know what I have. But isn't it true, Richard, sometimes we'll develop something in our voice, our hoarseness or sore throat or just a cough or dry cough, and we don't really know what's causing that. So a lot of us used to go to any ENT, ear, nose, throat doctors, ENT health, but <clears throat> it's hard to know, and I do know I have a dry cough. I've had it for days now, but they say right here where I live, things come in around uh, over the ocean. I have water on three sides. It's a very beautiful place in Gulf Breeze, Florida, where I live, <clears throat> but dry cough, and uh, it could be underlying, but I don't smoke. I don't drink, so it's not that, but uh, I have always had to avoid anything to hurt my body because of a uh, being sensitive and uh, as a child but talking about silence we should know do you know how our vocal cords work at all in our throat because it's uh, knowing how your voice works would be nice there's muscles in the larynx but I didn't even study it when I was singing I just always sung in school and we went down to the uh, what they called the recreation room and we always were taught there but uh, you can have vocal cord dysfunction, like when they cut my throat. And apparently they weren't supposed to touch them, but just moving them over, Richard, made them where they wouldn't vibrate or wouldn't work. The vagus, he said he must have touched the vagus nerve or something. At least he didn't cut it. Right. <laughs> but you and me not being medical doctors, but that, you know, people don't have to be, each of us should know how our body works. But oddly enough, folks, we have been so dumbed down and dim about our body physical that most of us could not tell you how our vocal cords work and uh, how our bodies work uh, intelligently. So <clears throat> how your vocal cords work and the muscles of the larynx and all of that stuff, the study of speech or singing or how the vocal cords are controlled. This and I still have it, and I lost mine. <laughs> I just waited till they came back, and that's strange, isn't it? That even somebody that has died and come back and died and come back didn't go look up all the remedies or how what I could do. Uh, listen to the doctors, and nowadays people can't afford to go to the doctors all the time, so they'll look it up on Google or Wikipedia, right? But uh, well, you know, you know you now, guys, now of course you got teleconferences. You know, you can you can dial in a doctor or dial in a nurse and give them give them your symptoms, and they can tell you what most likely you're experiencing over the phone. So you don't have to go yeah. to an office doctor anymore. You know, and you know if the situation is more uh, serious than that, then of course you also can do video conferencing with your doctors. 
And of course, fortunately, in a, in a manner of speaking, this became far more popular with the pandemic, of course, with people, you know, not being able to go into the doctor because there might be contagion involved, whether it be from themselves as a source or whether they become exposed to someone else that may be the source. Because unfortunately, with this stupid pandemic, you don't know, and there's no guarantee, vaccinated or otherwise, whether you're going to experience it or not. Simply because, you know, uh, for example, uh, I mean, the flu is a virus, okay? This pandemic is a virus. There is no oh, cure for the flu. Let's see, a flu shot. I just got a flu yeah. shot for people over 65 because now this is how easily we can be influenced. I drove over to get my <clears throat> blood pressure pill at CVS, and they told me we have a flu shot available for you. Why don't you come on in? I was like, right now? They said, yeah, flu shot for seniors. There's only one, and uh, you should get it. So they made it easy, right? I was just driving through my CVS. And they told me to come in. So October 1st, yep. uh, they strongly recommend people over 65 get this shot. And uh, yeah. I guess they, they want everybody. But I know my grandmother used to always go get a flu shot. And I thought that was funny as a little kid because I was like, gosh, I'm so glad we don't have to go get one. <laughs> so I don't know if it helped her live any longer or not. But well, what you are know, you saying? Again, it's, 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 it's the opinion, you know. It's the opinion and perception. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, I haven't had a flu shot in over forty years, and I haven't had the flu in over forty years. But okay? you just turned sixty-five, so but they yeah, so. the people that, that handle your Medicare and like flu shots at CVS. They may, yeah. But now that you're sixty-five, you may get prompted. I just got prompted by other. Oh, I, I got asked. I got. I've been asked. You know, have you had the flu shot? Have you had the vaccine? Have you had the uh, shot for um, let's see what else. Singles. Have you had the shot for? I mean, there, there's a half a dozen different shots floating around. You know, have you had the pneumonia shot? Uh, you know, all of these different preventive preventative serums. And of course, my objection has always been that look, you know, why are you injecting me injecting in me something that I do not have? And I understand that the reasoning behind it is so that my immune system builds antibodies so that, in fact, if I do contract the flu, for example, that I'll have less of a uh, bother by the flu. In other words, I'll get over the, the virus and be able to repel it more instantaneously because my body has already made antibodies and antigens that in turn would repulse, you know, repel this, this flu enzyme or this flu virus or what have you. And, of course, well, the lady uh, told me. The nurse that t- she was a qualified or a registered nurse from Buffalo, but she just started telling me all about herself. She had a 13-week uh, contract at CVS, but you know, in the beginning of the year, they all got fired. Right, the government and all the big corporations didn't want to pay them what they were worth. So there was this big nurse uh, thing going on. I don't know why this has got to do with sound of silence, but it does if you lose your voice or you get. Um, you know, flu bug, but we're all about, you know, health and uh, wellness. But at 65, Richard just turned, and I just was told to get my flu shot. And these things of how we get influenced by others is common signs and symptoms of silence or not silence. And we're talking about that 
in economics and politics and religions and communications and education. But, Richard, you know, the vaccine, like you said, antibodies, that's good because she told me, well, now, I said, am I going to have any side effects? Because, you know, there's no cure for flu. You and I both know that. She says, I know, but I've just found out in my business working with all these people for years, she had been like 25, 30 years that it helps people because it builds up, like you said, antibodies, but it takes about two weeks. Or, so what is it? It helps your immune system this two weeks. But I know you're not a qualified doctor or anything, but what are you talking about two weeks antibodies? Uh, that's what she told me. So now, yeah, again, folks, we need to know about our body, right? Bodies and antibodies. Well, right. I mean, you know, uh, there's holistic medicine, there's integrative medicine, there's, of course, Western medicine, there's Eastern medicine, there's herbal medicine, there's there's all kinds of different forms of medicine out there, you know. Uh, and the thing of it is, is this, all right? You have to consider that modern medicine is a recreation of herbal medicine. There is not a drug that is uh, that has been compounded in any laboratory that is not comprised of herbs, okay, whether it be the, the, the serum that's, you know, the, the, the enzymes that are in the herbs themselves that are in turn uh, manufactured and turned into drugs or what have you. So, I mean, herbology has been around a very thousands of years and it's been in practice for thousands of years. And, of course, Western medicine differs in the fact that we are relying on large pharmaceutical companies to make all these various compounds and drugs out of all these herbs that in turn fight all these various maladies and diseases. So yes, uh, the flu shot combines what they call an inactive strain of flu. It injects it into your immune, you know, into your body, into your bloodstream, which of course uh, your your immune system instantaneously reacts to it, and then in turn, by reacting to it, it builds in antibodies, so that in fact, when if in fact you are exposed to or come in contact with an actual flu virus that your body will be able to um, conquer that flu virus more readily because it already has on hand antibodies that are built up from having previously been inoculated with a flu shot. So the same is true for the, the majority of these other ailments, I would presume. You know, in other words, uh, if you're getting inoculated for pneumonia, then obviously there must be an inactive form of pneumonia in the in the vaccine or whatever, so that in turn your immune system automatically begins building antigens and antibodies to fight off pneumonia if, in fact, you become exposed. Now, of course, the flu, as well as pneumonia and a number of other maladies are all airborne, okay? Uh, and the thing of it is, uh, and this is this is quite a conundrum to me because when it comes to the pandemic, uh, this uh, virus, you know, is also airborne. Um, however, I believe that possibly, you know, it's it's more readily transmitted by being around someone that's coughing or sneezing and things of this nature, which was the whole reason behind us having to wear masks. But anyway, I'm trying not to get into the, the pandemic and the nuts and bolts of it simply because uh, that's kind of a very divided uh, panel of thoughts. Okay, you have one yeah, side that's saying... Yeah, it's based on your DNA, right? And, and well, I, I was just thinking about antibodies because, 
even though I was a corpsman, I didn't get deep into uh, the pharmacology or, you know, going. I had the sets of pharmacists, but the, the immunization process and antibodies in your immune system. But that's basically what the flu shot I got, I'm guessing. And it is virus and disease that they study in mice, and they can tell you, you know, one what happens at one day in a mouse, two days, two weeks later. But they say it really starts – now, she told me, uh, you probably won't have any side effects, uh, maybe a light headache or something. You know, the same thing they say about the, I got the other two shots, Moderna shots. But, you know, then uh, some people started saying, oh, gosh, you got the shots. And others say, oh, no, I don't get the shot. But it's a personal choice to this day, at least in America, well, unless you want a job. So I don't know what all is going on in economics and politics, but Richard and I are about health and wellness and spirituality, folks. So this is under spirituality. But the antibodies in the voice, keeping my voice, I feel like I've got a post-nasal drip or something, but I don't feel it because everything's dry, Richard. You know, so you can do... You can be uh, reacting to, to allergies of some kind in the air. There ain't no telling, yeah. you know. Uh, and because of, some, yeah, I mean, some that. things will give you a runny nose, and there's no explanation as to why you're having a runny nose. You know, all of a sudden you just get a runny nose out of the blue, and there's no, you know, adverse symptoms prior to it. It just comes on, and it just happens. And you know, over time, of course, fortunately, mm-hmm. most of the time it goes away. And if not, then you need to go see a doctor. You know, and I'm not. Uh, negating doctors or, or pharmacology or anything of that nature. I mean, they all have their useful purpose, you know, and uh, well, now I was we're separating just saying. The, the Internet's all separated. Like now they'll ask you before you come into a portal or a patient portal. So, right. you know, like apps on phones, and then you can achieve an open portal. Uh, like the Internet has adopted ad, ad, adopted what we used to use, Stargate portals, right? Now they use them in terminology of going into a you, – you have to have like the password and code and to get into, we'll say, gskmedicalaffairs.com. Okay, right. so that's – it says not a patient or a caregiver go to HCP website. So they're dividing them up saying you've got to be a patient or a caregiver – that site's not intended for U.S. residents. Oh, only uh, this site is for U.S. residents only. Trademark owned, licensed by GSK Group of Companies. Interesting. But antibodies is what you were mentioning, and it takes uh, something about two weeks. So uh, maybe I should look up why does it take two weeks to build up your antibodies? For people, these are questions we didn't used to ask. But two weeks. Well, I mean, it, t- it probably t- it probably takes two weeks because your an- your immune system has to react to the dormant virus that's been injected into the bloodstream that's in the process of being absorbed by the immune system. So the immune system is reacting, and it doesn't react overnight. In other words, our immune system, regardless of how strong it is, can only repel something once it's identified what exactly it is that it's dealing with, and then in turn it has to try to regulate and modulate itself so that its reaction is to uh, isolate and then in turn attack it. In other words, uh, the the immune system is designed to kill 
anything that does not that that would harm the body and anything that is uh, comes out from the outside of the body into the inside of the body. You see what I'm saying? Well, what and no, I'm not a medical about? doctor by any means, but say what? But we can talk about it because. Uh, you know, they say monoclonal wasp uh, antibodies, which are wasp, and I grew up being a wasp. That's white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. They call them wasp, right? Or people yes, like well, me. We have, but okay. they say there's antibodies that white Anglo-Saxon Protestants have and anti-monoclonal antibodies. And it takes two weeks are, that they're synthetic. Uh, and it, the laboratory creates antibodies. So that's what they're injecting. Is that, I guess, it says when germs and viruses cause that to invade our bodies, how the vaccines are supposed to make antibodies. It, there's bodies and antibody, right? T lymphocytes, B lymphocytes. Now, uh, let's, not, let's not system. get into the nitty gritty of all this. Detail. I mean, this is. Getting far afield, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty deep. That's what I learned with my daughter having cancer. I didn't know what T cells were. I didn't know what lymphocytes and macrophages and all that, and I still really don't. So, folks, you just have to study that if you're listening to us. You know, we're talking about antibodies and getting the flu shot or your other shots, like I got Moderna Summer getting Pfizer. Uh, my do- one daughter got Moderna like I did. One daughter got Pfizer. But we waited a long time uh, being in a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant South. But we waited a long time before we got it. But spiritually speaking, that is a choice of your spirit, essence, and soul at the sixth sense. Did anybody see the Fifth Element movie? <laughs> yes, yeah, I about saw science. the Fifth Element a couple times. Well, but that has nothing to do with antibodies. <laughs> Does it have to do with silence? Are the essence of silence? Well, sure. Now, in your in your mind, because I have five D experiencers events with people out in California where you used to live, but the five D. Some people have been calling me about the five D experience, and I'm like, yes. okay, well, are you thinking of it? Because most of the people think of the fifth element, and the kids do. The kids growing up today learned a lot off of movies. Even the guy that works for me, he's 22 over in India. He says uh, he's an associate. People, he doesn't work for me. I shouldn't say that. He works right. with me legally, rec- politically correct with me. But he said, I learned to speak English from American movies. <laughs> I said, really? I can believe it. So, and the fifth element, when they say, "You, what are you doing? What you're doing, uh, meaning uh, what you're doing, they say, oh, uh, Vedanta, Yogi, uh, essence. But we think of the sixth sense as silence because you can't hear. It's like ESP. But maybe you can go into the sixth sense. Uh, it's subtle, the perception ability, the ability to perceive what's unseen or heard. So it's not a, it's a sense, Richard. The sixth sense is the ability to understand the subtle cause or changes that affect you and your relationship between you and the beyond or the understanding of the intellect could be part of the sound of silence because some people don't have to talk at all. Like you said, what if they can't see? What if they can't hear? So they have to have a highly developed sixth sense. So can you talk about subtle perceptions 
they say it's a subtle dimension, but if you've seen the fifth element, right? Fifth element yeah. is uh, the the myth. It was air, fire, water, and earth. They needed the four corners of the universe for the fourth dimensional world. We live in a in a three uh, D, which is length, width, and depth. Length, width, depth. And then we have decided to add the fourth dimension of our own making called time and space. We made it space-time. Then you jump to the fifth element, which is the essence. And, uh, that, and then the sixth sense came out uh, in 1999. So people started putting together. And guess what? Bruce Willis was in uh, uh, fifth element, but he, he was also yes. in the sixth sense. Now, is yes. that weird? Is that a synchronicity? Go ahead. Probably. I'm a mute. Probably. Well, I mean, you know, the sixth sense is nothing more than the sense beyond your five senses. So naturally, it's the ability to communicate. It's the ability to have impressions, mental impressions, psychic impressions, intuitive impressions. They all are a combination of your sixth sense or extrasensory perception. So that's the sixth sense. So, I mean, naturally, those that are psychically gifted receive impressions from the spirit world or the world of spirits. Um, sometimes they'll receive, you know, messages. Sometimes they'll receive visions, um, you know, pictures that tell them things about uh, their own lives or their own environment. Or they may also see pictures and demonstrations of things that would involve another person's life. And so, you know, they, they would in turn reach out, for example, if it were a loved one or a family member or a good, close friend, they might reach out to them and say, hey, you know, are you considering uh, taking a, a jet flight next week? Uh, well, if it is and it's number such and such, please make sure you get on a different plane. Um, you know, that's a psychic impression or an intuitive impression. The sixth sense is basically the fluid of... Uh, Intuition and uh, psychic wavelengths, I guess you would have to say, because I don't know how else to put it into words, simply because uh, if they were common, then everyone would be psychic, and everyone can be psychic. Again, it is a matter of choice, you see. Um, it, is a, it is a tool that you can use, and it is a sense that can be developed but you have to have pinpoint focus when you're trying to develop it. And, of course, you ask for assistance from your own spiritual source to help you develop the gift of seeing or hearing or sensing that, you know, these are impressions that you are getting that most people would not get simply because they're not attuned to the frequency on which these impressions are delivered to you. So when you start, now if you start talking the essence of us all, well then you're going way beyond the fifth, the sixth sense because the sixth sense can be utilized in a manner of speaking, I guess, to make more connectedness with your spiritual self or with uh, the creator of all or other entities and so forth. This is very true. If you have a strong uh, intuition and you are very telepathic, then naturally you're going to hear uh, thoughts that have no ne not necessarily any physical basis in your immediate reality. Uh, you can uh, read people's minds. You can uh, hear others' thoughts and know what they're thinking either about you or about whatever it happens to be they're thinking. And that's telepathy. But uh, 
if you're talking essence, well, then you're, talk, you're breaking it back up to uh, our spiritual essence, which is the essence or the spark of the divine that we all hold within us, and it is the spark of the divine that sustains the soul. So, uh, you know, if they you want... They say the fifth dimension. Uh, I'm looking. The fifth dimension, according to Ascension teachings, is the Earth's been living here and is in the process of a whole new level of reality. So they're saying that the fifth dimension is like when we used to hear Aquarius, the fifth dimension sang that, and it was a consciousness of love, compassion, harmony all around you. It was peace and spiritual wisdom. And they're saying that that's what they've been singing about all this time, right, is Aquarius right. the fifth dimension. So now yep. the fifth dimension of reality is all over Internet, YouTube, everything in cyberspace on the Internet, super Internet highway that Tim Berners-Lee started. But the higher level of thought forms is still in the sixth density or reality. But the causal plane, they say, is uh, like the fifth dimension. But I don't know how we as ascended uh, – not we are not ascended. We're ascension masters. We, we preach ascension. But here – We could well be ascended masters for all we know. And that's why we know the ins and outs and the ropes of things and can describe the process of ascending because in the process of ascension, you are in fact becoming your own ascended master, um, just as a sideline. But anyway, uh, yes, I, I mean, I, I went through a seventh dimension activation the other day. I forget the lady's name. But anyway, uh, there's a lot of, of uh, very unique and very interesting Things being brought about and uh, thoughts being projected and or schools of thought being projected and, and interpreted and displayed and, and presented by others at the moment. But anyway, during this seventh dimension activation, it was explained to me, you know, that uh, in the third dimensional world, of course, is our regular everyday reality. The fourth dimension is where our angels, our guides, and all of those types of beings come forward to assist us. And then the fifth dimension is where all the ascended masters are at. The sixth dimension is basically universal love. No, I have it wrong. The sixth dimension is where uh, the... No, I may have it right. Uh, the sixth dimension is basically where all the ascended masters are, such as Christ and so on and so forth. And then in turn, the seventh dimension is basically... Uh, God consciousness, more or less. So, if we are talking of going from third dimension into fourth dimension, basically our guides and helpers are going to assist us to raise our vibration, our frequency, so that we transit out of a 3D frequency or vibration into a 4D frequency and vibration and into a 5D vibration and frequency. Because the only difference in dimensions is vibration and frequency. So, I guess you would say that if we were living in the world or the, uh, oh yeah, I guess you could say it's a world or, or at least a dimension of existence wherein angels, archangels, and all these light beings were commonplace, then yes, there would be a tremendous amount of joy, a tremendous amount of love, a tremendous amount of peace, and so on and so forth, because that would be the frequency and vibration that you as a spiritual being 
would not only be exposed towards, but in turn would be reflecting outwardly from your inner self. So in other words, in order to be in harmony with the fifth dimension, you must align to those frequencies and vibrations that in turn would propel you or bring you into or shift your frequency or create a portal between the third dimension and the fifth dimension, which of course, like I say, you, you would transit, of course, through the fourth dimension in order to get there. So, well, I'm looking yet, at some terms. There's some terms on Bing.com, but they have the seven spiritual dimensions of human bodies, and they have the franchise disclosure dimensions, but then they have the 12 dimensions of consciousness and the life coach right. code. And then Illuminology has 12 dimensions, and they have six and seventh dimensions. So we've got to decide who we're listening to because how's the seventh dimension like the six, but they say is what I just did a little blurbs they have. Like when you search Google, they say God lives in the seventh dimension, but I think it's like universal levels. Like we do uni, multi, meta, xeno, omni, alpha, and omega are the seven different levels in the empirical realms. But now the angels have their angelic realms and dimensions and different groups and choirs of angels. So, it's all depending on who's doing the writing and who's doing the filtering. And, you know, like it's saying where you're referring to as Einstein or Tesla's theory of philosophy or what we might call science or the philosophy of science and the dimension of light. So, uh, folks, just so you know, there is codes and there are words in epistemology that you need to understand that we are now – Basically, people are dividing dividing themselves up into the dimensions of consciousness, just like in alienology, we're dividing up the aliens by their planets and the galaxy as to what people are claiming to be channelers in this silence. They can't heal their emotional mastery uh, without their karma, uh, I guess, Akashic record karma, Richard, how would you say that? Because many people don't believe in karma, but in the reincarnation world of ascension, we do. Can you explain well, the different well, karma's a law of, karma? Karma is a law of cause and effect. So, I mean, it just means that, you know, if you make a motion, then in turn there's going to be a reaction to that motion. You know, uh, in other words, you know, for every action, there is a reaction. Um, for every, reaction. yeah, exactly. Well, not necessarily equal and opposite always, but at least well, equal in, to some extent. Yeah. I think Einstein said for every action there's equal and opposite reaction. But anyway, there's a particular frequency, and people in uh, today's terms use time theory or circular time that repeats over and over. And I've heard uh, many uh, physicists don't use linear; they use circular time theory. So that That's repeats correct. over a long period of time that they become time travelers, which I know I am one because I do bilocation all the time. And a lot of people don't even understand the dimensions till they get into astral travel. But now, you know, the realm of eternity, it depends on who you ask because the multiverse is the dimension of the universe that is beyond consciousness. But people are saying that the realm of the omniverse 
is dimensional and is conscious of all possible other multiverses. So, folks, we're going to have to learn to talk about the realm of love, and everybody's not getting it right because we have spirit, soul, infinity, eternity, God, multiverse, omniverse, but we separate the seven consciousness into several levels. And then besides the seven levels, you have the various what we call planes, realms, and dimensions. And we use them in both virtual, what we call real world, uh, real world reality in the three-dimensional lifestyle that we own and operate in here. But many people have now come to, especially since the movie Avatar with the blue people in the tail by James, uh, what was his name, uh, Grissom. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Think so. All right. Well, anyway, uh, since then, people have really – uh, cottoned or like the 12-dimensional consciousness, but they're not understanding the dimensions in the way that we talk in the sounds of silence. But uh, they say that first you have to focus your awareness on the first dimension or the seed of creation. That is the cosmic egg. So the cosmic egg is the mother of all life forms that we don't talk about. Therefore, the God source that we say we all are as the I am doesn't allow us to talk about in the beginning was the word and the word was without form. So the second dimension is the realm of information. Now that's where all your lower lives supposedly were acquired for terraforming gods. The third dimension that we say we live in is the focus of the mind and the higher animal kingdom. But do you know plants, even grass, you can, you can hear it scream when you cut the grass if you're in tune with your internal self. Everything is alive, so they know they're being cut. And the other animals and plants around them are really, you know, scared. They, the whole world, if you can hear it, are in tune vibrate like your uh, empaths do, your sensitive. But the realm of change is the astral plane. So that's where you focus a lot of your magic and your subconscious mind levels. But now I'm just talking in general, okay, for the the fifth dimension that I was referring to is Richard. They call it the realm of the spirit, but the unconscious mind. So we start with the conscious, but they also say the astral plane is subconscious. And the fifth dimension is your unconscious mind. So it would be beta, alpha, delta, beta, alpha, theta, delta, and gamma if you want to talk in neuroscience and the levels on the equipment. But they go into the sixth sense, that's your higher dimensional light, and then that falls into the soul's possibilities that we don't have in AI yet for the seventh dimension where God lives. And that is the eternal source of all soul vibrations and evolve in the soul tunes that we call the Omegaverse. Okay, that's infinity. But then we say infinity squared that reaches the realm of eternity for all form, time, spirit, soul, infinity, eternity. It's united in the universal self or universal life folded back on itself. And then the dimension of God consciousness. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. They're saying that uh, the seventh dimension in our world and the third dimension only goes to seven. You're going to have to talk a minute. If you want to talk about the higher dimensions, go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the the higher dimension is the higher frequency and the higher vibration. So if you're saying that the seventh dimension is where God lives, that would be the reality of existing as pure energetic consciousness. Uh, that would be the awareness of being yourself, 
but in, in no way, shape, or form would you be limited to a specific life form. Rather, you would be pure energetic consciousness. And then if you go on beyond that to the eighth dimension, uh, you would have uh, the pure area of thought, I guess. In other words, it's just a matter of consciousness expressed as ideas. And the ideas do not have form, per se, other than they are imagined or they are expressed uh, mentally, I guess, in some way, shape, or form. And then in the ninth dimension, of course, you would have uh, emotions, um, but the emotions would be explicit to the extent that there would be, um, well, like, for example, okay, if you separate love, we have uh, personal love, we have love in relationships, then you have agape love, which is a love from the divine outwardly, expressed outwardly from yourself to all others, and then you have unconditional love, which is what we perceive as coming from source unto us all, because it's non-judgmental, it's all accepting, and so on and so forth. So by the time you get to the ninth dimension, that love is expressed emotionally over and over and over again. And then you could say the tenth dimension is... uh, a vibration where expression is instantaneously created, I guess you could say. And then the 11th dimension, you know, you could say that uh, it is a focus of understanding that all of this is you and you are all of it, and yet at the same time, you are nothing. And then the 12th dimension... I would believe or perceive that that be the, the, the perception of it all. In other words, that would be in tune with creation itself, and not only are you a part and participant in creation, but you are also a formative participant in creation from the aspect being that what you create is going outside of yourself but is beginning within you. So it's like uh, we have all of these 12 dimensions and... If you break it all back down, it's like we are expressing uh, finer and finer attributes or finer and finer perceptions of what we perceive now in these various dimensions and frequencies. So, um, and, you know, uh, God, of course, or the source of all is fluent through all because it sustains all of creation. It is the magnitude of creation itself as well as the simplicity of a blade of grass. It is the the magnitude of all of creation itself and the simplicity of uh, a flower or uh, all of these different kinds of things. Now, uh, yes, there there seems to be a great deal of utilizing many, many words to indicate or express uh, in some degree or some form similar expressions in regards to translating or interpreting the same idea. And this is, this is where there's been a bit of confusion because you've got science talking about it in one way from quantum physics. You've got neuroscience talking about it in regards to brain waves and idealistically in forms of consciousness, either, although neuroscience cannot prove that these various forms of consciousness exist other than, trap, uh, other than actually measuring them by waves 
of the brain, electromagnetic waves that are expressed through the brain and can chemically be traced and chemically measured inside the brain itself. Uh, that you know, when it, when a person is exposed to certain frequencies, uh, such as binaural beats or uh, certain sound waves and so on and so forth, the brain reacts and creates certain chemicals or creates certain reactions to those sounds. Um, so that's basically neuroscience in, in a nutshell. Now, of course, you can go on and on and on and dialogue quite, quite a great deal about a lot of different interplays and a lot of different uh, finite things and understandings. And, of course, quantum physics does the same thing. But the thing of it is, is that we are all coming to a point of realizing that we are uh, co-creators of all that we experience. And when you take that responsibility upon your own shoulders, then, of course, that is giving you a tremendous amount of responsibility in how and why you um, experience your own life and who and who and what you allow experience-wise to come into that life. So there's, you know, all kinds of uh, various, like I said, thought forms, ideas, expressions, and when you break it all down, they're all saying basically the same thing, but they're all expressing it in a different way from a different point of understanding. In other words, naturally, a neuroscientist is not going to understand what a quantum physicist is saying, and a quantum physicist is not going to understand what a yogi expresses, and a yogi is not necessarily going to express, understand fully what a guru is saying, and, and a guru is not necessarily going to fully understand what an enlightened master is saying. The verbiage or the words utilized to express these thought forms and so forth is important from the extent that it creates for that given individual thoughts and ideas that are expressed in an orderly form for, their, for the foundation of their understanding. And so this is how all minds meet, because naturally we can agree upon certain terms representing certain things or certain ideas expressing certain ways of belief or understanding and so forth. Now, yes, everybody loved the movie Avatar, um, even though the, the very first one um, actually delved into persons going into, I guess you would call a, a hypnotic state of or trance state of being because they're being kept alive by machines while their intellect actually expressed itself in an entirely different world where there were blue people and uh, they had an old civilization, you know, and they, they were communing with the trees and they were communing with all of plant life and, and all of this. It was a symbiosis between them all and all of that kind of thing. And then there was another um, series of movies called Avatar. And this one um, basically demonstrated how a given individual could take control or learn to control the various four elements that we are made of. So in other words, you have the element of air, you have the element of water, you have the element of fire, and you have the element of earth. And each of these elements, you know, you can combine with them uh, or what you would call become in harmony with them to the extent that in turn they allow you to take control of them or to suggest to them various changes in events that in turn would change your 
environment and the immediate environment around you. Um, and so that's what a, uh, an avatar from the movie perspective is concerned with. Where So you've got two different kinds of avatar movies, and one was basically uh, an, a spiritual undertaking to gain control by a monk uh, of various uh, degrees in controlling the various, uh, the four elements. And then, of course, the fifth element in that, in, in that instance is essence. And therefore, you know, that's, that's like God consciousness or becoming spiritually aware and uh, spiritually in tune with all that you are, so that in turn, when you go to make uh, efforts in controlling a specific element, you are doing it in harmony with your spirit or your spiritual essence, and therefore it was like aligning and flowing with it, and therefore that is why everything could transform and transmute and be utilized the way in which it was. Uh, the other movie, Avatar, of course, uh, is is entirely different from the perspective being that that's talking about allowing the body to become uh, in like a trance state, I guess you could say, because uh, it's mainly the mind and the emotions that are being expressed, and they're being expressed outwardly into this cyber-created world where all these other beings that have this entirely different civilization and all this exists in in a side real reality. I don't know how else to give it into words. JJ, you were going to say something? Hello? Yeah, I was looking at the philosophy uh, that a gentleman wrote. He wrote a book on uh, – matter of fact, he got a Ph.D. He said uh, he was an author and a Ph.D. candidate whose book about the philosophy of the Avatar movie, he wrote called uh, – it was by Shambhala two months ago. Everything is God. Well, this was back in the day, 2009, but it made a Huffington Post and the New York Times talked about it. But uh, the Avatar, now these, they subscribe, subscribe to pantheism, and theism, as scholars today call it, panentheism, which is how they combine the word pantheism and theism. They're both isms. So those are like isms are belief systems, like Buddhism, right? So a scholar, uh, Gershom Sholem, observed that the uh, rooted lesson faith uh, was, uh, I guess, mystics, they said, on the earth, are like the Navi have an experience of unity of consciousness, all of which include uh, manifestations of one being, where they are the Awa, uh, unlike earthbound mystics, the Navi have conveniently plugged in their bodies, attached to their bodies, which physically unites them to other beings, uh, winged or otherwise. So um, the experience is one thing, they say, but no doubt that the millennials during this time, uh, they contemplate Hindu and Buddhism and Taoist. They say uh, Jewish, Muslim, all the traditions uh, have similar experiences that they plug in and play in part games. So they experience uh, the virtual reality. And you know you can pick to be a, a priest, a, a pastor, a wisdom. Usually the wizard does more magic like an avatar in the Sanskrit word. But uh, the word uh, – the film plays out. In role-playing uh, deities that come, you know, come and go from Earth, 
and they say that's the the God source of uh, he says uh, like when we say namaste God me sees the God in you is you're saying you see yourself manifesting into others as the God in me sees the God in you but they say namaste all the time especially in our groups of mystics, oracles, psychic sages, seers, and shaman, and gurus, and yogis, and all of that. But is that all, uh, you know, they say that uh, Ramakrishna in Hindu sage, he uh, taught Vivekananda, who was his disciple, that any individual that was popular or not, and that could be non-duality, they, they would obscure the Vedantic text to bestsellers back or Tolly and Deepak Trolley. Be, uh, Deepak, who you know, everybody sort of—they're popular people, but they—they're uh, both non-dualistic sages who believe that all is one. So, devotee of the mother, divine mother, was prayed to her every day. That you know, different people think different things, folks. And everything in God that once it divides up, whether you pray to it or not, is that dualism. And uh, but the sound of silence is where we go. For both, whether you believe you're meditating and receiving the universe or you're sending to a higher self or a higher God in dualism, do uh, you know you're, God's supposed to be your friend, okay? He's the motion, the spirit of all that is inside you. The God in me sees the God in you. So that's why some people agree that the all I am is all of us. And yet I have others in my group in Ascension Center organization in Hawaii that do not believe we're God, that we're God-realized, and that we are not the all-source. We're strictly pieces or sparks or shards by spirits that have the souls as a dualism, as our higher self, which is our guide of our self and our soul, and the, and the dualism of other beings outside like angels and another God. You know, that is potential, but they don't know that they can prove that. But... What do you think, Richard? Because are we all one and the same? Or, or do we believe in dualism that our higher self and our higher soul is not part of God or is it part of God? That's all about philosophy, folks, as to how people will argue with you. Is the God I am the recreation or the creation? Go ahead, Richard. <laughs> well, I believe personally, and of course this is just my humble opinion, all right, I believe that we are all part of one source that created us all and sustains us all. Now, I would not go as far as to say that's necessarily monotheism, but in a manner of speaking it is because you're pointing one finger saying, okay, there is one sustaining source that created us all. And therefore, because it created us all, we have to, in turn, be parts thereof. Because anything that creates anything a part of it is expressed through that creation, whether it be music, whether it be art, whether it be poetry, whatever it happens to be, whether it be a human being, such as two parents coming together and creating a child, uh, you know, the God that created us all continually is expressing itself through us all. So I would say personally that, yes, we are parts of that one created source, and we are expressions of that one created source. And yet, as those expressions, we are all unique from the aspect being that there is only one of, one of each of us and there is no other that is completely alike us. 
we all share the same source of creation from the aspect being that we are all created from one source and we are also capable of creating in turn. So therefore we are co-creators in a manner of speaking simply because we are creating as an expression of the one source outwardly, uh, intentionally, through our emotions, through our uh, intellect, through our thought forms, through the words that we express and so forth. These are all, all parts of our expression and in turn all create waves of energy, frequencies and vibrations that are going out from us physically, emotionally, mentally and spiritually unto all of creation. And in turn, creation itself, as you could say, would be like a uh, plasma that is awaiting to be given purpose. And so in turn, this plasma responds to us in kind to whatever it is we are intentionally creating. So, and I mean, like I said, that's just my humble opinion, uh, you know, and I'm sure that there are thousands of other uh, traditions and opinions out there. I have studied a great many of them, having studied the majority of the religions of the world and this kind of thing. But uh, would you say that I am a monotheist? In a sense, yes, and in a sense, not so much, simply because um, if we were to break things down into a hierarchy, which is a way that uh, most theologians and most religionists understand things as being, that there are, you know, levels per se of creation and so you could say that okay you have the source of all and then you have mother and father god and then you have the, the children of mother and father god which would be god goddesses and god gods of lesser uh proportion or what have you and then from there you know you got ascended masters and then from there you got uh archangels in the angelic realms and then from there you got guides and and light beings and all these other folks and then from there at the bottom of the scale on an intellectual basis uh, from a philosophical basis you have mankind and of course mankind is always able and completely welcome to express itself on any of these levels however you must be pinpoint focused and your your mind and it must be completely uh, focused to the extent that this is where you want to arrive at and this is what your expectations are and so on and so forth. So there is only the limitation of how we limit ourselves. So if we limit ourselves by saying, well, we cannot do this or we cannot do that, then that's the limitations we are accepting. If we say, on the other hand, that we are limitless and capable of, of creating any and everything, then basically we are limitless and capable of creating any and everything. And that's just yeah, my perception yeah. on things. <laughs> if you we what? can't create a tree, uh, we can create. Well, the only way we can create a tree is to plant one. <laughs> Little, so we're uh, create. We're recreations of the creation of the essence or the spirit that is given by the Almighty, that we call the God Source, or the original creation. So we are creationists, folks, as far as the ascension goes, because we believe going through the portal of Christ or the history left in the world religions here in america we're called christians because we believe in the christ consciousness or 
you know, if that's have faith alone. But now the Muslims don't necessarily believe that. They believe in the same God, and the Jews do too, but they believe in the old belt. But they have their own uh, different books. So we're writing our books as well in the Ascension Age, and we'll do our best to explain being God realized or knowing that you are the recreation of the creation is the best way we can tell you because that's why people will argue that there's no way there could be a God if it's all I am or if you're a God, you're sure not. So we say namaste, the God in me honors the God in you, meaning the spirit of the soul of the reincarnation of your soul's self as spirit. I hope that helps a little bit. It may be even more confusing, but what we're saying is we know that this isn't all. The body, mind, spirit is not all there is. And we have an astral uh, projection. And once you learn the astral plane, <clears throat> and we teach out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences here, but we also have uh, inner dealings as uh, bilocators working with the masters and the uh, ascension masters are those of us that come and go in all circular time phase phase spacing and it's something you have to earn your wings so to speak so all these words we use are just simply recreating the same thing that's always been there in the beginning so without further ado i guess we should adjourn richard Yes, I noticed that we are out of time, so we are leaving our audience with thousands of questions for thousands of words that are all created implicitly to form the same idea of the thought, because, as they say, all paths lead back to the source. So, and upon that note, I shall leave you. I appreciate our audience and all those who have been listening to us, all of those who contribute to what we're attempting to bring about and to conceptualize project-wise and make fruition of. And of course, I always appreciate uh, the excellent company of TJ. And you can contact us readily by uh, email. Uh, I am listed at RT, my initials, Richard Thomas, night 35 at gmail.com or TJ Morris Agency. That's T-J-M-O-R-R-I-S Agency at gmail.com. Oh, I didn't know I was not muted. Uh, You heard my daughter. Okay. So, folks, uh, if you'd like to donate to our cause, our radio show, or help us in a not-for-profit for just using the money over again to pay for the use of the airways and for archiving, our project is paypal.me forward slash TJMRCT Radio. We'd appreciate your donations on Sundays. So we hope you've enjoyed our Sunday go-to-meeting talk, uh, message, banter back and forth, conversation. Uh, hope that uh, you'll come back. Most of y'all have grown with me in our group, and we're working on our 10th year now. So we appreciate everybody allowing us to be with you in your homes, in your cars, in your trucks, in your meetings, in your associations, and we'll be more than happy to work with you about what we're creating together in Cyberspace Culture Club right here at ACO Radio Club that Richard has uh, agreed to be our honorary president because as the creation recreates itself, we're down here walking around in these ascension bodies (laughs) hoping that we're learning something and helping each other uh, mill about smartly on the planet. So uh, thank you, everybody. We are veterans, by the way. He's Army and I'm Navy. And uh, we will be working Wednesday with another two Navy people. 
on Wednesday and maybe Thursday too. So we're going to try to do Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. And we've got other things we're doing for our guides. We have the Spiritual Wellness Guide, uh, spiritualitywellness.com that we've got to get going on. And we have quite a few other esoteric, mystic, guide, 5D experience guide. And they're basically directories of who follows what philosophy or trade. And hopefully we'll bring them all together at one event again in the near future. So until Wednesday, I bid you adieu. Thank you, Pastor Richard, for upholding our our Unincorporated Association in Cyberspace as a cyberspace entrepreneur and a, a master universal life coach. Thank you very much. Thank you. You did a great job. Thank you for uplifting me. Thank you, everybody. And that's Pastor Richard T. Knight. We're going to say Pastor Rick. Goodbye, goodbye. The man behind the curtain is Dr. Rick Knight. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you're asking who the curtain behind the curtain, like the Wizard of Oz, he just pulls it back and goes away in his balloon every week, and we don't see him till the next next day or next week. All right, love and light, everybody. We will be back Wednesday, Thursdays, and Sundays. Love and light, everybody. Top of the yes. world to you.
Your love put me at the top of the world.